This message was shared from the pulpit at Good News Baptist Church in Chesapeake, Virginia. For more information, visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org. I want to encourage you to take your Bibles if you have it in front of you and follow along this morning. We're going to be looking at a lot of scripture together. If you don't have a Bible with you, there is one in the hymnal rack in front of you. Uh, It's very helpful to see on the page what God is saying, not just to take my word for it, uh, but to see what God is saying and uh, trusting that the Lord will use what he has given me this morning uh, to be a help to you. Throughout the scriptures, the Lord evaluates some in our race, or I'm sorry, elevates some in our race for their exceptional features but especially for their exceptional faith. Man looks on the outward appearance. God sees what? God sees the heart. And when what he sees pleases him, he elevates that in the scripture. He does this so that we can see what God can do with men and women, mothers and fathers, who yield themselves to his perfect will. Here are some examples. Three times in Song of Solomon, the Shulamite wife of Solomon is called fairest among women. Now, putting that all in context, the whole book of Song of Solomon really is a reflection of the relationship with Christ and between Christ and the church and their pursuit of each other. In Luke 1, Mary is called blessed among women, not only by her cousin Elizabeth, but also by an angel sent from heaven. Proverbs 31.10 exalts the woman of virtue. It says, who can find a virtuous woman? That word virtuous means a woman of strength and moral character, moral courage. Who can find a woman like that? For her price is far above rubies. So the Lord elevates, exalts those whose lives, persons please Him. And yet a careful examination of God's redemption story through Jesus Christ reveals our race has been blessed by women of faith. And their examples are a legacy for all of us to follow, especially you moms, you grandmothers who are here today. God's plan in eternity past was to create mankind in His image, to give whosoever the opportunity to know and love Him as God. That's His plan. And then provide salvation for our race when man fell. We'll see God's intended uh, use of a very special group of mothers to help carry out His amazing plan. We don't have to stretch the scriptures to show you this, but we do need to evaluate what it says. The Bible says, truly our race has been blessed spiritually by faithful mothers. And these mothers are intended to be a model to each mom who puts her eyes on the pages of Scripture. I've entitled the message today, Blessed by Faithful Mothers. 
even if you don't have a mother who knows the Lord and has followed the Lord with her life, you have been blessed. I have been blessed by faithful mothers. And we're talking about those that God used right here. I hope you'll take some notes. There's a note sheet in your bulletin today. Pull that out and and just try to get the structure of what we're going to see. Again, that's very clear from the Word of God. A close view of the fabric of God's redemptive plan in Scripture. We call it soteriology, the doctrine of salvation. That plan shows that God wove into that fabric the God-fearing motherhood of women of faith. Did you catch what I just said? We look at this tapestry, this beautiful uh, working of God to provide salvation's plan for us, and woven into that, again, is the fa- is the, uh, into that fabric is the God-fearing motherhood of women of faith. These women of faith include mothers of forefathers, Jewish forefathers, and then mothers of forerunners. And as you study that, the forefathers in Israel and then the forerunners to to those that helped carry out God's redemptive plan, you will see embedded in there the way God mightily used faithful moms. It's amazing. It's remarkable. Let me show it to you this morning. First of all, mothers of forefathers. Let's take a panoramic view of God's redemptive plan. Many of you will know that the first mention of salvation in Scripture is found in Genesis 3.15. We call that the protevangelium, the first announcement, pronouncement of salvation. Genesis 3.15, God said, I will put enmity between thee, speaking to Satan, and the woman, and between thy seed... Those who are going to follow Satan, not God, thy seed, your family, and her seed. It will bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. Now, how does this work? Well, the influence of a deceived woman, her name was Eve, in the garden, would be remedied by the seed of a devoted woman, Mary. Thus, the essence of the plan of God for salvation was revealed. And Satan learns this, that the death he brought on the woman and her race would ultimately lead to the seed of a woman. Speaking of a virgin birth, a miraculous birth, no human father involved. That the Lord would use that miracle in Mary to deliver a crushing death blow to Satan's head, resulting in complete, humiliating defeat. I think when Satan finished his work in the garden and Adam and Eve sin and they run and they hide from God, I think he was pretty proud of himself. But then God comes to Adam and Eve. He searches for them, realizes he wants that relationship with us. And when he finds them hiding and, and miserable in their sin, don't miss this, God begins to interact with the man, with the woman. And ultimately he says to Satan, you deceive this woman, 
but by the seed of a woman, you are going to receive death and a humiliating final blow. Satan wasn't so feeling so good about himself after that, but he left the garden, I believe, determined to stop this plan of God, though he didn't know how it was going to play out. And God has kept his word. So the protevangelic, God announces that through the seed of a woman, his plan is going to move forward. And that brings us then to the next clear part of this plan, the Abrahamic covenant. Genesis 12, 3, And I will bless them that bless thee, he says to Abraham, and curse them that curseth thee. And in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. What a testimony. What's he talking about? Well, through the seed of Abraham, through his lineage, God would bring about salvation for all of the world. God repeats it again in Genesis 18 and verse 18, Genesis 22 and verse 18. Later, the Apostle Paul, writing to the Galatians, will reflect on what God has done. Listen to Galatians 3.8. And the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through faith, preached before the gospel unto Abraham, saying, In thee shall all nations of the earth be blessed. Wow. Now how would God do that? How would he bring about the Abrahamic covenant and continue to push his amazing plan forward? How would he do that? A barren woman. Her name is Sarah. She's 90 years old. And she is expecting the one that God will use to bring about the Jewish nation. Now she's real. Initially she laughed at the idea. Just like any of you Older ladies here, I'm being careful, I'm okay. <laughs> 70, 80, 90, you walk in and the doctor says, well, the pregnancy test says. Your response would be, huh? That was Sarah's initial response. In fact, She even came up with another plan involving her servant Hagar. Well, let's let's have the inheritor come through my servant. Later, though, she'd believe God. God would honor her faith and Isaac would be born. The Abrahamic covenant. Do you recognize how God used the faith of a mother to move his plan forward? Let's move on. What about the Mosaic covenant? Take your Bibles and would you turn with me to Exodus 24. Exodus 24, look at verse 3. By this time Moses is well on in his ministry. But he's going to remind Israel why God gave them the law and what's involved with God's work on the behalf of Israel. 
And Moses came and told the people, verse 3, all the words of the Lord and all the judgments. And all the people answered with one voice and said, all the words which the Lord hath said we will do. And Moses wrote all the words of the Lord and rose up early in the morning and builded an altar under the hill and 12 pillars according to the 12 tribes of Israel. And he sent young men to the children of Israel and offered, watch this, burnt offerings and sacrificed peace offerings of oxen before the Lord. This is important. And Moses took half of the what? Blood. Blood have anything to do with our salvation? Blood have anything to do with how God responds to the sins of men? Absolutely. Took half the blood, put it in basins, and half the blood he sprinkled on the altar. And he took the book of the what? The covenant. And read it in the audience of the people, and they said, All that the Lord has said we will do and be obedient. And Moses took the blood... And sprinkled it on the people and said, Behold the blood of the covenant which the Lord hath made with you concerning all these words. By the way, all those words were not about keep the law, go to heaven. It was about the blood. Later in Deuteronomy chapter 11, Moses will rehearse all this again. And you know what he'll start out with? God delivered you from Egypt. How did God deliver them from Egypt? Egypt is a picture of sin. It's a picture of the world. God brought them out and through a Red Sea. But before he did that, he told them, now you kill a lamb, put that blood on the doorposts of your house and over the top. Again, if you connect all of that, what's it for? It forms a cross. But if families will not apply the blood to their homes, the firstborn will die. But if you apply the blood, again, picturing what Christ would do later, when the Lord came through Egypt, he would pass over. That's where that word comes from. He would pass over those homes. They would get to live because of the blood applied And in Deuteronomy 11, again, all of that is rehearsed by Moses. Question, how did the Mosaic Covenant come about? Well, in this case, an enslaved woman. She's the wife of a Hebrew slave in Egypt. Her name is Jochebed. She would defy the king's command, along with those Hebrew midwives that we remember. She would hide her baby Moses only to see him rescued by none other than Pharaoh's daughter, to become Israel's leader. Hebrews 11.26 tells us Moses would ultimately choose the reproach of Christ, the Messiah. He understood enough about God's redemptive plan that the Lord through Israel would send a Messiah, and he chose that plan over the riches of Egypt. But what's woven into that fabric? A faithful mom. No, this this baby's not dying. And she hid him. Now, all of you moms can remember the toddler stage and before. How do you hide a baby? I'm sure there was not a lot of cooperation on Moses' part. Desperation is, all right, I'll make a basket... 
I'll put pitch or tar around the bottom so it floats, and I'm just going to put him out in the river and trust God. That's a desperate plan. But God honored her faith. The Mosaic Covenant. Let's move on. What about the Davidic Covenant? 2 Samuel 7.13, God told David through Nathan the prophet, I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. The Davidic Covenant. Of course, David is the great, great, great grandfather of Jesus the Christ, the Son of God, the Son of David. How did this happen? Well, God used two unlikely women who placed their faith in Israel's God, a Canaanite prostitute named Rahab, who put her faith in God and then married Salmon, who was the father of Boaz, who married a Moabite named Ruth. And so this Canaanite woman living in Jericho and then this Moabite woman living in Bethlehem, they're all in the line of David. You can read it in Ruth chapter 4 verse 21. These were David's grandmothers, but what about David's mother? The Bible doesn't name her. Let me just share with you what Jewish tradition says. And again, because it's not in the scripture, we can't know for sure, so we'll have to wait till we get to heaven. But do you know that the Jews to this day believe that they know her name? They call her Nisabet. We'll have to wait until heaven again to know for sure, but many Jews believe that she was divorced, put out by Jesse, David's father, and that later David was born. Or that when she was put out, she was expecting David. Hence, she has no name in Scripture. Now again, this is speculation. I, I understand. But it may lend some help to us when we read, for instance, in Psalm 67, 7 and 8. Because for thy sake, David says, I have borne reproach. Shame hath covered my face. I am become a stranger unto my brethren and an alien unto my mother's children. Perhaps it helps us understand better Psalm 51 and verse 5. Behold, I was shapen in iniquity and in sin did my mother conceive me. I do believe that Psalm 51, 5 is referring to the fact that all of us, uh, when we're conceived, we're already sinners. So we'll have to wait till heaven to see for sure, but what we do know for sure is that God can used, use flawed, fearful women. Flawed in the world's eyes. Perhaps flawed in religious eyes. But women who are forgiven and then choose to place their faith in Almighty God, and God can work through them to do mighty, redemptive work. And if we fast forward, what this also shows is, if you're here today saying, I know I need to be saved, but I'm not good enough to be saved, you need to just chuck that thought. In God's plan of redemption, He took flawed people who put their faith in Him, and He used them mightily, and if you'll put your faith in Jesus Christ He'll clean you up, 
give you eternal life. And he can make your life for count for something for eternity. So the Davidic covenant. Now, so from the first announcement of salvation, Genesis 3, through the Abrahamic, Messianic, Davidic covenants, God used women of faith to ultimately bring about the Savior. And then this brings us to finally the new covenant. Matthew 26 26 to 28, Jesus is with his disciples in the upper room. He's about to go to the cross and finish redemption's plan. And in verse 26, Matthew 26, it says, And as they were eating, Jesus took bread and blessed it and broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. And he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them, saying, Drink ye all of it, for this is my blood of the new Testament. Literally, this is the blood that is going to bring about my new covenant with you. My blood which is shed for many for the remission of sins. Now you're already thinking ahead of me probably, but how would that happen? Isaiah had predicted it. In Isaiah 7, 14, Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel, God with us. Luke 1 tells us God's instrument for Jesus' birth would be a virgin named Mary, the seed of the woman. And the Lord Jesus would shed his blood to pay our sin debt and rise again, conquering sin's penalty of death as well. Now the theme of God's using faithful women in his redemptive plan is pretty clear, isn't it? I think it's amazing. Only Christianity has elevated the God of Israel, the God of the Bible has elevated the place of women. Religions through time have put women down. It's still happening all around our world today. But based on what we've just looked at, God doesn't do that. Wow. What an integral part to his plan faithful mothers have played. But then we move on to the mothers, not just of the forefathers, but the mothers of the forerunners. Very quickly, Samuel prepared the way for David, didn't he? First Samuel 1.6 tells us God had closed Hannah's womb. And so she prayed, verse 10, and vowed to give her son to the Lord, verse 11. She said, I'll dedicate my son to you, Lord. No razor will come upon his head. And God gave Hannah Samuel. Samuel was Israel's last judge. And you know how God used him? To prepare Israel spiritually to receive their greatest king. In fact, when Saul failed, Samuel risks his own life to go find the house of Jesse. And again, you'll remember all the brothers come, and Jesse isn't even thinking about bringing David. Again, it goes back and makes us wonder about some things we considered earlier. Samuel says, is is this it? Oh, no. There's the redhead out watching the sheep. That's what ruddy means, by the way. I didn't make that up. Okay. he's He's over here. Go get him. Why is he left out? And then he stands before Samuel. God says, there's your man. 
and he's anointed. And Samuel helps prepare the way for David. And then we go to the New Testament. John the Baptist prepared the way for Jesus. Those of you that are Bible students know God used a woman there as well. In a mighty way, Isaiah 40, verse 3, Malachi 4, 5, both predicted Messiah would have a forerunner. Luke 1, 17 and Matthew 3, 3 tell us the mother of that forerunner was Elizabeth. Again, an elderly woman, the wife of Zacharias. Luke 1, 7 tells us that the Lord had closed her womb, but she prayed, verse 13. The Bible tells us that God, God answered the prayer. John the Baptist was born. Here's what's significant. They dedicated him to the Lord, but from his birth, from his birth, he was filled with the Holy Spirit. Wow. In Luke 1, Zacharias recounts the promise that God made to Abraham. Okay, does this all fit together? Absolutely. You can go back and look at it, Luke 173. Zacharias, when he gets his voice back and prays to God, he declares that God was now ready to fulfill the promise to Abraham of giving a Messiah. And John the Baptist would be the one to prepare the way for that. So let's conclude. So much more could be said in developing this theme of how our glorious salvation through Christ had the underpinnings and blessings of faithful mothers. It cost them greatly as they watched their sons engage in spiritual warfare to bring about God's plan. Imagine what David's mother had to, had to see as Saul is trying to kill him. In fact, later the Bible says that David's family goes to him in hiding. Perhaps they were threatened as well. Mary herself would be told by Simeon in Luke 2.35, Yea, a sword shall pierce through thine own soul also, that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. The fulfillment of that is as she stands at the foot of the cross and looks at her pierced son. Mothers, when you choose to live by faith, pray for your children as you dedicate them to the Lord. Your prayers will be heard. Your prayers will not be forgotten. God will answer. The church in Israel have been blessed by faithful mothers. Let me encourage you today. Let God use your faith to bless your family for the sake of God's will, his plan. Ah, oh, he wants to use you. He is using you. And he wants to continue to work through you, answer your prayers for the sake of the kingdom. And then let me close just with this admonition to the rest of us. Families will rightly do things for mom today. Flowers, a meal, maybe breakfast in bed has already happened, okay? We do all those things. It's Mother's Day. But do you know how you can best honor the faith of your mother? Live by faith. 
honor what she loves and honors? Do you know what breaks the heart of a mother? When children go astray, when they leave God. So I love my mom. I honor my mom. All right, honor her faith. Follow her God. Above everything else, she wants that the most if she's the right kind of mom. Be the answer to her prayers. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the lens of Scripture that lays all this out before us. And Father, thank you for how you've used mothers from difficult pasts, with difficult pasts, moms who were not known to the world at all, Uh, their economic place in society was pretty low, and yet they feared the God of heaven, followed you, oh, how you used them mightily. And Father, we can all sit here today and say we are blessed by faithful mothers because of the Ruths and the Marys and the Elizabeths, the Jacobeds of the Bible. Father, thank you for your salvation. And thank you now that you can use us to continue to proclaim your salvation. And you want to use moms to raise up a godly seed assisted by godly dads so that we can be a light to this world that is stumbling headlong into darkness and destruction. Jesus is the answer. Thank you for faithful moms. Now, Lord, I pray that you'll encourage moms today. Increase their faith. And Lord, would you increase our faith to follow you and to follow the faith of our godly moms. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening. If you have questions about your relationship with God or you would like to know more about the ministry of Good News Baptist Church, you can visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org or call us at 757-488-3241. We trust your heart was challenged as you listened and we want to encourage you to share this message with others. May the truth of God's word be your guide as you strive to follow Christ and make him known to others.